listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 347 and 348 of Fed by Ravens, where we are covering every chapter in the Bible in a year, but our hope is to catch the narrative, catch the story as our lives unfold within this greater story. So we're glad you're with us. You are pushing through. And I I am just going to tease today's show by Ooh. saying several uh, loose ends get tied up today. Some nice little imagery things that we've seen before oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really pay off in today's readings. So let's get to them. What's let's catch our, that story. What's our OT for today? Our Old Testament reading for today is Esther chapter 6 through chapter 10. What a book. What a book. Previously, um, previously when, on Esther. Not on Esther. Actually, before we get into oh. previously on Esther, wow. this book always was like, what's the deal with Esther? Why, why is this book even in here? <laughs> yes. Uh, but as you read through it, you realize, well, we were talking about its placement. So in our culture, we like everything to be linear. That is mm-hmm. a story from beginning to end in chronological order. Right. And if you've been reading along, you'll realize Esther's kind of back in your Bible before even the Psalms and Proverbs. And you're going, huh. But chronologically, it should be with Malachi. I mean, it's like towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, It's after the return to the promised land. In between, you know, it's getting into the intertestamental time before Jesus comes. But it's there because they uh, organize the scriptures according to genre. genre. And so you have like the Pentateuch, which is the law, Mm -hmm. the Torah, and then you get into the histories. And this would be a historical book. Yes. With Ezra, Nehemiah, and they come before the poetic books mm-hmm. of Job and Psalms and Proverbs. Then you get into the major prophets, which just mean they're big, and the minor prophets. So that's how they ordered things. Yes. Fun fact. But we are in the middle of Esther. She is, um, where do we live off? Previously on Esther. All right. So Esther was made queen. And. Whoa. An enemy of the Jews, Haman the Agagite. All we need to know is he's an Amalek. He's from Amalek, the yeah. destroyer, who's yes. a sworn enemy of God's people. He uh, Judah. He picked a well. He was put off by Mordecai, Esther's cousin, who raised her, and he wanted to uh, punish Mordecai by annihilating all of the Jews. Right. That's that makes sense. That's yes. reasonable. You bother me. What's your ethnicity? I'm going to punish the whole group because I hate you so much. Huh, we've heard this story before. Okay, so the thing that we left off with, though, was Haman was not satisfied with his genocide. He wanted to uh, punish Mordecai early, so he built a gallows for Mordecai, Mm -hmm. which is a giant stake that he would impale him on. Next, next to his house, actually, right. so he could look out his window every morning while he's having coffee. But that's where we ended up. Um, we talked about this. So he built the gallows, and now he's uh, he's on his way to the king, to or he's planning the next day to tell the king, "Hey, we need we need to kill this guy, Mordecai." It's it's well. Here's what's so great in chapter six: you have uh, Mordecai saying, "Hey, maybe you were raised up at such a time as this, Esther." Mm. God's, or maybe Before, not. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, then you start thinking about such a time as this. So here's what's happening in chapter six. Haman is planning to kill and makes all the preparations to kill Mordecai. Yes. 
at the same time, God is preventing Xerxes from sleeping. Yes. So he starts poking around the king's chronicles for yeah. fun reading. Yeah. Uh, read me the great deeds of my kingdom. Okay. Hey, do you remember? This happened several years ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, your servant Mordecai saved you from an assassination. Oh, interesting. So this is all happening. Yeah. Such At, a time as this. Right before he... So he can't fall asleep. So then the king's like, did, uh... We do anything to reward that guy? I mean, he saved my life. That's kind of a big deal, right? And so, they're like, uh, no, we haven't done anything to uh, reward Mordecai. So Haman's plan to kill Mordecai, God's plan to save Mordecai, the king's plan to celebrate Mordecai. Yes. Haman shows up, and he's he well, just nebulously starts saying to Haman, you know, his right-hand man, it makes sense, what would you do for someone who's saved the kingdom? Yeah, who's Haman? greatly pleased the king. And so Haman, being self-absorbed, being full of anger and rage, starts saying the things that he would want. Right. So robes and honor and horses and all sorts and of great things. And be paraded around. And he even says, your highest official should clothe this person. And again, this is an, an amazing, ironic Yes, this is uh, such a time setup, But also because Haman was super vague about the decree that he wanted to set up with the king earlier yeah. about killing the Jews. The king's not even aware. The king isn't aware that of the ethnicity of the people that Haman wanted to kill, and he kind of thought he meant enslavement, not genocide. Right. And so now the king is nebulously posing a question to Haman, and who now Haman is biting. It's kind of like, remember that show, uh, Punked? Oh, Ashton yes. Cooker? Kutcher, sorry. There you go. But it was really just a candid camera moment yeah. where it's like, ha ha. Well, the, it's like a flipped on Haman. Yeah. He's like, great. Haman's feeling good. This is about me. And then he goes, great. You need to do all this for Mordecai and parade him around the city as a hero. Yes. And so sweet little wah, Haman, wah, wah. sweet Haman goes home and he's like, uh, I think I'm in trouble. Yeah. So he is now, he has to do, he dresses Mordecai up ride like parades him through the city now he's at home furious all his family his advisors his wife are all like uh this isn't good man see he's mourning now previously mordecai had been mourning yes now it's flipped why because god's in control and then uh and then, family his wife and his advisors mm -hmm. they're like um you will not overcome him, but surely fall before him. Yeah. They just kind of say, oh, we see the tide of this curse, and you're kind of doomed, Haman. Yeah. This, like, this is a bummer. So, Which, by the way, without God, when the tide starts to turn in any area of your life, mm -hmm. why would anyone say, oh, it's going to get better? I mean, right. this is kind of the response. Yeah. Like, wow, it looks like things are really against you now. <laughs> bummer. <laughs> and then while they're dealing with this, a knock comes at the door, and they're like, Hey, uh, just a reminder, you're due at a feast with Esther and the king in five minutes. Such a time as this. God is ordering everything perfectly. So now Haman has to rush, like, get himself in order, have a good time. And show that he's not super disappointed by yeah. the king's decree, because that would be bad to show disappointment in the... Um, and trusting this guy because yeah. he's the guy who can kill you if you don't if he doesn't even give yeah. you the head and of the scepter. He's, now he's at a personal feast with just the king and the queen. Should be honored. And so now they're sitting there, and the and Esther still hasn't made her request known. Is this the second time? This is she's the had? second time. So now the king is like, okay, what do you want? What? Well, this is the third time the king's asked. Yes. And so now the king's like, what do you want? And so now 
Esther starts to phrase the question or the answer in a brilliant way. Yeah, she's brilliant. She like starts to like, if you love me, if you care about me, if you don't want me to die, save my life and my people to die, then you need to know what's going on. I mean, she started at the hot white center of it all, like yeah. very intimate. Me, yes, I'm destined to die on the thirteenth of this month. Yes, what? My people are destined to die. Yes. What? They've been signed up by your decree, with use, use of your ring and your authority, to be wiped out. And he's Who? like, and, he, and then he freaks out. He's like, what? What's going on? Who would do this? And he's like, uh, she says, a foe and an enemy. This wicked Haman. Boom. And there, uh, imagine Haman's like in a party of three, and the two... And you're already buzzing. You're probably a little drunk at this point. And you're upset. Or you've had a hard day because yeah. this Mordecai situation. You're then finally you find unwinding. Out, and then you find out the queen is related to Mordecai. <laughs> Oops. And a Jew. And you're Jewish, uh, queen? I didn't know that. Yeah, double bummer. Whoops. So Haman now sees the writing on his little heart. So the is, king has, I love this, the king gets up and walks out into the garden to get sober for a second. Like, yeah. And now Haman is, like, begging for his life. Now he's bowing down to Esther, who the whole thing started because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. Best ending to a bachelorette ever. (laughs) And he's like, wow, please save my life. And so the king walks in, because it's kind of a big deal to... There's going to be repercussions for killing Haman or doing anything, because he's right-hand man. And so, but he comes in and sees Haman, like clawing at his wife thinking this guy's attacking her in my own house right and so he instantly is like get rid of him and as they're like tying him up one of the eunuchs is like oh hey by the way there's a there's a giant stake right next to Haman's house that he was going to use to kill Mordecai the guy you paraded around today oh let's use that I think it said they put a bag over his head yeah they they covered his face so Haman is done he's then um, gonna be executed at the king's decree and then Mordecai is then replaces him. Yeah. So the king now gives Mordecai Haman's ring, calls him in, finds out that he's Esther's cousin, and is like, all right, you've already saved my life. You're related to my queen. You're the guy, man. So here's the amazing thing about Esther. That's the story we know. Yes. But there's still a couple of chapters left. I know. And you forget this, mm-hmm. that uh, Mordecai then is raised to a position of great power where he can write an edict over the largest kingdom ever known to the history of the world, from like Ethiopia to India. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, So what I didn't realize is she has to go before him again. Yeah. She has to go to the king a second time. And say, can we rewrite this legislation? And so she has a whole other thing where she goes before him, he raises his scepter to accept her. And scepter, scepter to accept. That's a lyric. Let me give you my scepter to accept. All right, sweet. We'll work on it. No, that's great. Uh, and then, and then she says, "Hey, this edict is out there, and we need to do something about it." Uh, the king made a so the first edict you can't reverse it. You can't just say, "Oh, yeah. because it's, it's the it, word of God." It's yeah, it's sealed. And so all he can do now is, well, we can write another edict that would counteract or prepare uh, this your is people. That's amazing. And so what they do, their solution is not just you're not allowed to attack them anymore. Is no, they still have the right to attack them on this day, but the Jews now can defend themselves and are allowed to uh, wreak vengeance on anyone who attacks them. 
Right. And so in the culture, an eye for an eye, you mm-hmm. know, vengeance is allowable, but they were, they're in exile. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not the majority people, so no. they would have had to just be under the king's yeah. rule and be wiped out. So it is like, um, it's almost like there was a purge. Yes. Yes. Like the, the movie The Purge yeah. where you're allowed to kill on one day. Yeah. The writers probably got it from Esther because they actually read the last couple chapters. And so, yeah, now they're legally allowed to defend themselves. Yeah, and but anyone who comes against them who's armed, they're allowed to attack. So the way it, it rolls out then is 500 men in Susa and the 10 sons of uh, Haman yeah. are killed. Yes. So a lot of people are happy because they didn't mm. want to, that's not, the Babylonians, Medes, Persians, yeah, they were like, I don't, we don't really genocide. want to. Yeah. yeah. And so, but there's still a significant amount of people who hated them. Yes. They kill them because they're defending themselves. Yeah. Then it says over this vast kingdom, kingdom, there's 75,000 total. Yeah. Now it's on this day, 75,000 total over all this huge mm-hmm. kingdom. So it's not all in one place, but that's how many people hated the Jews. Mm-hmm. And they just did this in self-defense. Now, what makes God's people different is they were allowed to then take plunder from their enemies. Yes, they were. But Mordecai was like, we're the people of God, and this isn't about plunder, and this isn't about power, which is also a smart move to say Mm -hmm. to the king, we're not trying to take your kingdom, bro. Mm -hmm. We're friends of the king because God put us here. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're not going to take plunder. And so that's like the big big difference. Um, But... This then sets off, and now in Susa, they get another day of killing, I think. They do. And so... She extends it. Esther extends it, but... And so um, this is where we get the Feast of Purim, mm-hmm. because it comes back to the Purim, or the it's like the... The lots. The lots that, that were cast. That Haman cast yes. to destroy them, and so now they reverse it, and they see it as a day that we were saved. Right. So the lots, our fates were reversed. But think about this. When's the last time the people of God have had such a victory? I mean, think about like how hundreds of years since they've had victory mm-hmm. in the promised land. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last hundred or so years was just defeat after defeat. Yeah. They lost to the north. The south was losing. They yeah. got finally taken. I mean, so this is... This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And so imagine the people who are back at the second temple hearing about what's going mm-hmm. on there going all right, the Lord is actually doing what he said he'd do for us, which is protect us while we're rebuilding. And God's using Esther, and he's really using Mordecai in an amazing way to uh, kind of sturdy up, you know, like uh, protect the people of God uh, in in all the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then it kind of ends up with this giant feast. We Mm -hmm. end with a feast where we began with a feast. And so, again, it's kind of a cool, like, it literary is. story. I thought that, too. I'm it like, begins oh, man. The feast ends, now the feast is unto God. Yeah. And even today, it's like in February, March, the 13th day, or 14th, they celebrate the day of the victory yep. after. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I was reading was they in Jewish circles, they read the story, and whenever Haman comes, the people hiss, boo, hiss. Yeah. And Mordecai's like, yay. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty fun, and you just remember and... And celebrate, and I think of like that's what we do as Christians. We celebrate Easter, Passover, uh, mm-hmm. Christmas, Pentecost. Those seasons of when God has worked the hidden God mm-hmm. in a book that never says God. Yeah, the hidden God is behind all the events in your life, all the events, not in a controlling mechanistic mm-hmm. way, but in a loving "I got you" way. Yeah, and then what's amazing too is we see this theme where. In foreign countries, God raises up leaders with 
like from his own people. Pious, so, faithful leader. Like man. so, you have Joseph in Egypt, you have Daniel in Babylon, mm-hmm. and now you have Mordecai in Persia, and they're like always second in command guys. It's a really cool theme. It's pretty amazing. But here's the final thought on Esther, because as I um, go around to different churches or I look at our church or my friends' churches, when you get into ministry, you basically wake up every day going, Lord, I don't know how this thing is going to make it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how big you are, not just financially, just like just the faith of people mm-hmm. and things that happen. And like, I don't know how. I certainly can't make this work. Right. And so it drives you to go, Lord, would you, I'm just going to, I'm going to serve today with what's in front of me. And that's what you see in Esther and in so many of these histories. It's like, how are the people of God going to make it? Mm-hmm. But the hidden God is working, especially in the church today. He's working so that, or it's just like Elijah, like I'm the only one left. No, I got 7,000. Mm-hmm. I'll raise someone up while you're in captivity in Babylon. I'll raise someone up under prayer. It's so... To me, it's so encouraging so that whatever's going on in your life, you cry out to the hidden God and say, God, I know you're working things for good. I can't see it, but I'm just going to uh, trust you. If I perish, I perish. Or maybe this is, I was raised up for such a time as this. Yeah. Boom. That's book 60. Oh, man. We've done 60 books? Yeah. Well, this is a perfect intro. Uh, Esther, I think, leads everything leads perfectly into itself here in the, in the scriptures. But Revelation... Oh, yeah. New Testament. Thank you. I almost took away your I one did. job. <laughs> Seriously. Our New Testament reading for today is Revelation chapter 4 through chapter 5. So in the past, reading Revelation and reading these chapters, it's so easy to get confused with all the imagery, right? You're like, like throne, to... trumpet voices... Uh, ox, lion face, man face, uh, four, four creature. Like there's so many things. You're like, I just don't get this book. But not us. If, you've been, <laughs> if, you're, if you are truly on uh, day 348, you read chapter four and you recognize all these things. It's no yeah. longer the big deal. And you actually can see clearly what's happening. Yes. And I'll say it. We'll say at the beginning, the middle and end. What's happening is... This is the scene of Jesus Christ's coronation Mm -hmm. to the throne. Mm -hmm. He has ascended into heaven at the right hand of God the Father and will rule his kingdom. Yes. That's what this is a picture of. And it begins, and we know this because you see the words of Jesus, but this is the throne in heaven. Yeah. So now John, like who else went before the throne of heaven? Uh, Ezekiel. Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, Definitely Isaiah. Daniel a little bit. um, Maybe. can't remember. But, Ezekiel saw the throne and so on earth. That's where we've heard this language before, which yes. is exciting. So it begins with he's standing um, in the throne of heaven, and first of all, the voice he heard is like a trumpet. And yeah, it's and Jesus, it's Jesus' voice. voice. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place mm-hmm. after this. So after, what's the this? Well, he just told them about the churches, mm-hmm. and he's like, now I want to show you a heavenly perspective from the throne of God of what's happening now, mm-hmm. uh, what's going to take place for the churches that are currently struggling, that carry my promises, but also are dealing with their sins. Yes. So here's what's going to take place. And he's in the spirit, so we know it's apocalyptic, it's a revelation, it's mm-hmm. a spiritual thing. He's, And it's important for us to know these are the heavenly visions. Yes. So Heavenly well, realities. So again, as we go through Revelation, you need to get rid of our 
are bent on reading things as if they're chronological. Yes, linear. And it's like, not linear. It's not linear, and it's what you'll see is it's actually kind of cyclical, and it's showing the same kind of event playing out uh, in like three different perspectives. Yeah. And so right now we're getting the heavenly perspective of what happened at Jesus's ascension. After he defeated death and rose from the dead, here's what happened in the throne room of God. Yes. So we get the scene of the throne room of God. It's actually very similar to other scenes that we've um, come across. Uh, the thing that I'm reminded of actually is way back when Moses takes the elders to on top of uh, Mount Sinai. Yeah. And they eat before the Lord and they see uh, Jasper and they just see his feet. Yes. And, and uh, so the... The yeah. imagery there is very similar. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so cool. Well, and the imagery of the jewels are mm-hmm. the, if you can remember, it's what the high priests wear. wear. It's all about yeah. holiness. Like yes. the beauty and the majesty of the jewels and the colors, it's all the majesty of God and his creative mm-hmm. force. Then he's surrounded by 24 thrones, um, and on the thrones are 24 elders. And this is, again, the idea of the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, and it, they represent... All of God's people right. across it's a time. representative form of government. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, 12 tribes, 12 disciples. Then you have the seven torches, yes, which we already know are the seven churches, which represent the church yes. on and, earth. And as God's a light. Uh, eyes and ears exactly. across the world. And then I knew you'd love the sea of glass. Yes. Okay. This is awesome. So sea, the waters have always been a, this has always come up throughout our readings, and usually what we see is the sea is chaotic. The water is always in turmoil and it represents in literature chaos mm-hmm. and un- disorder. But here around the throne of God, the sea is as still as glass and everything is ordered and it's now beautiful. And if you remember in the temple, at the temple they had the huge basin, basin the sea of the glass. Sea, yeah. right. right, then you got the four creatures which we saw with Ezekiel. Ezekiel. A lion, ox, man, and eagle, and they all have three sets of wings, eyes everywhere, mm-hmm. and they they represented Ezekiel, and they represent now the watchers over the earth, the four corners yeah. of the earth. And they were surrounding, they're surrounding the throne in this picture, but then also, these again were the sigils of the banners of uh, the tribes as they surrounded the tabernacle and marched through the wilderness. What's a sig- sigil? Is that what you said? Yeah, sigil. What's that? Uh, an image representing uh, a house that's or a new word. family. That's a new word for me, and it's the first time I've ever heard you say that. Oh, okay. So it's like a crest. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, they, yeah they're surrounding, so they, that's how they moved the tabernacle mm-hmm. through the desert. Yeah. Lion, ox, man, eagle, watching the four corners all, um, of the earth. Yes. Then. And they're singing. Yes. Holy, the, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Beautiful. And whenever they sing... The elders... It triggers the elders who are like, what? And they bow down and... Um, they sing. They sing. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So again, side note, our commitment to creation, mm-hmm. not any other way, our commitment is a religious belief. <laughs> so that we believe... The elders, those who represent us, the 12 tribes and the 12 disciples, fall down and praise God 
the God of all creation. Mm -hmm. So when we're messing around with creation and trying to be rational and reasonable, just realize this is a deeply seated religious belief Mm -hmm. that God is the creator of the universe. How he did it, whatever, we can fight about. But when the elders bow down, they go, you are the creative God, worthy are you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're, they're worshiping God. So we have this scene of what God's throne room looks like and what's happening. And now we have... In chapter five, now the scene kind of develops. Oh, and I did want to say, like, the idea that we were created to worship, mm-hmm. like, we were created to be aligned like this because it's when we come to God and worship Him, forgiveness and the promise of eternal life and in His presence and God's glory, it's all given to us. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. So you start to see why we worship God um, and why He tells us to do this because everything is a reflection of the true. Right throne room of God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So now we get to what looks like the coronation of Christ. Right. So now we have uh, John sees that uh, God the Father, the one who's on the throne, is holding a scroll and on it has writing on the front and on the back and it's sealed with seven seals. Okay. So I just remembered Daniel saw a flying scroll that was covered that was giant, right? Yeah, that was a curse though. So there's a curse on a scroll. Yes. And and so the thing that... That was wide open. And that so was that wide was easily open. accessible and, and seen. Yeah, and, and it was... already pronounced. Yes. This one is sealed up. Yes. This so, one's sealed up completely with seven seals. So the again, when we come across seven, just remember it's perfectly sealed. Perfectly sealed. Do you think... So the, the curse, though, that giant curse that he saw was opened at the fall. Probably. Which is so sad. Like, mm-hmm. what would open it? Well, defiance against yeah. the creative God opens up this scroll yeah. which says curse on mm-hmm. humans, earth, everything. Okay, this one is closed up, and we desperately want it open. And John desperately wants it open. So the idea, though, that I would, I, I'm going to just say. Well, here, is, let me set you up. Who is worthy to open the scroll yeah, so is that's, the cry. And so John that's the starts cry. crying. John, He's like... No one can open it. Because he looks, and there's apparently this strong angel, some angel that is visibly, recognizably like, oh, he's of a higher rank than anything else yeah. I've seen. He's a beefy. And, and this angel is crying out, who can open it? And so now John starts to cry. And so at this point, I, I'm recognizing it as this is God's salvation plan yes. and restoration plan yes. for the all things. But it is perfectly sealed. What is it sealed by? I'm going to say it's sealed by the law. Yes. It is sealed by the law. It's legally cannot be opened. It cannot be opened, and the angel is going, who can open it? And so John starts crying, and another angel says, stop, look. There's one who can open it. And he, and he even says it's the uh, Lion of Judah, Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open its seven seals. And so he looks over and he sees a lamb right. who looks as if it's been slain. I'm like, come on, that's crazy. Okay. That's so cool. So I get a little bit of chills because this is the John who wrote the Gospel of John. Yes. So he writes down John the Baptist, a different John, mm-hmm. who when he sees Jesus says, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. I know. He wrote that down. Right. Not knowing any, now seeing the Lamb of God slain, yes. who can open the seven seals, which is the pronouncement of blessing. And why can he open the seven seals? Because Jesus met the requirements of the law. Right. Like, 
he he met them. His heart was he loved God. He loved people perfectly. He met as them God and, and paid the price. Right. So he actually paid the price, rose from the dead, and now is there and able to open up the seven seals. And so John, you know, believes this, but now is seeing it and is going, wow, this is a big... Because we know Jesus mm-hmm. rose from the dead. Yes. But we don't fully always understand why he had to. Well, he had to pay the, the sentence of the law, yeah. which would reopen basically the gates of uh, Eden. Yeah. And so here, here's the seal... And the seals are too hard, but he has fulfilled the law. Mm-hmm. And so he had taken the scroll and the four living elder, uh, four living creatures and 24 elders all fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. Yes, so now there's something new is happening. There's a mm-hmm. transition in the kingdom of heaven. And something new is happening, so they require a new song. And now they're singing to the Lamb of God. I know. Oh, and so he's, did we read about the horns? So mm. he has seven horns and... Uh, seven eyes. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. I just remember reading about the horns that mm-hmm. in the visions and dreams. Yeah, and Daniel. And so it's always a crown. This mm-hmm. is where we get Jesus' crown. Mm-hmm. That's why these guys are, and the elders are throwing down their crowns. Yeah. But the crown is the horns. Mm-hmm. So the nations that are rising up each have a horn, but in the world, the horns are locking with each other. There's always a little horn pushing out the other horns. Yeah, it's and they're like, breaking. And yeah. it, it's nonstop. These are the perfect seven horns, the crowns placed on the slain lamb of God who is worthy, so they sing, worthy are you, um, beautiful song, every and they, tribe and language of people and nation are going to be a kingdom of priests to God. Yeah, and they do say, you can open its seals for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Right. From every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And Love s- that. And so then, to end it, really, everybody breaks out. The whole, thousands and thousands of angels sing, mm-hmm. which is not a new idea for us. Nope. We say it at Christ's birth, they sing. Mm-hmm. Singing is everywhere. The elders, the watchers, everyone's bowing and yes. praising God and saying different kind of different prayers from each perspective. But the angels are like, worthy is the lamb to receive all this. And then um, all of heaven and earth, which now it's like you have our representatives, but also all the saints mm-hmm. are singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures, the four corners of the earth say, Amen. And everybody fell down and worshiped. Woo! So this is what has happened. This is why we gather around the cross of Christ every week. Yeah. This is why, because our God, Jesus, is crowned. We don't see it yet, but this was written to give the church comfort in persecution and comfort as we wait his second coming. Mm. Amen. I'll just say what the creature said. Amen. So be it. Thanks, Lord. Psalm for today is Psalm 142. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. 
bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.